Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Holes. Holes was written by Lewis Satcher, and it was published in 1998. And the film adaptation was directed by Andrew Davis and came out in 2003. And the screenplay was written by the author. Yeah, yeah, that's always, uh, uh, adds an interesting, you know, element to it. Yeah. So, listeners, I am so excited to do this episode right now. If you've listened to our previous episode, you know (laughs) we have kind of had a rough time (laughs) in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I was like, we just need a palate cleanser. We need to do something Mm. to get us past this. And so Holes is just perfect, and I am... I'm so into it. <laughs> Holes was just such a nice book to read. It was. And it's such yeah. a nice movie. I know. I'm so glad. Also, I'm glad we did Holes next because if you look at our listing of episodes, yeah. they've been slowly increasing in the length of the name. <laughs> of- oh, <laughs> So really? it was like like Water for Chocolate, and uh-huh. then Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, then One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, really long titles. So holes. Back to holes. <laughs> <laughs> we had to cut it back down a little bit, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is like, you know, I watched this movie when I was young. I actually didn't read the book in school, but a lot of people my, our age read the book, uh, you know, in elementary school or middle school. So it's like really classic to my childhood, and so it was really cool to kind of go back and do an episode on that. Yeah, I, it, it was one of those books where I couldn't remember if I'd read the book. Like, the movie stuck out more to me. Yeah. And I think because the book and the movie are so similar. They are. And so many, like, the plot points and, like, everything that... Plus, the movie came out and was, like, really advertised on Disney Channel during, like, <laughs> the prime Disney Channel years of our life. Yeah, yeah. It's got Shia LaBeouf in <laughs> I it. Know, I know, exactly. What else do you want? <laughs> so, uh... So the whole the, the story of Holes begins yes. with uh, Stanley Yelnats, which Yelnats is Stanley spelled backwards. Which I don't know about you, but that like blew everyone's minds. I think yeah. in in elementary school. Oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> when you're like, oh yeah, in race car, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> palindrome. What do you palindrome? Thank yes. you. I always forget what that's called. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, our story starts off with Stanley Yelnats, and he is on his way to Camp Green Lake. Yes. And let's just start out with the biggest change, the most controversial change, if you will, mm, yes. <laughs> from that the movie made from the book, and that is Stanley's weight. Yes. Uh, Stanley in the book is pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know if they kind of give you a number or anything. No, but they just sig- say he's overweight. He's significantly larger than like pretty much all the other kids at camp. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of a big part of his character in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of interesting. He gets picked on for that at, yeah, at he's school. Bullied, yeah. But then again, it's also kind of an advantage when he gets into the camp in mm-hmm. ways because he's kind of larger. and He's can, a bigger kid. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's it's kind of a little disappointing. That like they I would have keep it. I would have liked to have seen um, an actor who's a little heavier play the character. Plus, I think it kind of helps you sympathize with him more. You know, he's sort of this underdog, can be kind of a little pathetic. You know, he's getting bullied, and things are never sort of going his way and everything. Yeah. And then he gets to camp, and it's it's sort of his chance to redeem himself or kind of reinvent himself. And uh, in the movie, it's just like, oh, he's skinny. <laughs> I think they do that with a lot of movie adaptations. Yeah. I think rarely... Will they keep a heavy set character? Yeah, and I think part of that is I think Hollywood tends to just 
obviously favor like actors who are um like thinner. thinner yeah and so and then when it comes to like a movie like this they're like oh well we got to get a big name out there yeah but hollywood's only actor. been favoring big names so it's kind of one of those deals where yeah i read somewhere i don't know if it was imdb or something that they didn't do the heavier character because the shooting schedule was going to be so all over the place and you know, Stanley does end up losing some weight by the end of the book. Yeah. So they like didn't want that. I'm like, mm, I, that's a really lame excuse. I I'm think, pretty yeah, sure that's like not what it was. I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't, uh, Shia LaBeouf still does a really good oh, yeah. job in the role. He's still kind of dweeby and sympathetic. It's and so funny to look back at this baby Shia LaBeouf now. It's I know. just like, oh man. It was so weird because at the very end credits of the movie, it said, and introducing Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Which I thought was weird because he Because he's was, been in a lot of stuff before. Holes. Yeah, he, he was big on the Disney Channel, I think, with Even Stevens yeah. at the time. So, yeah. I mean, I th- this was his first movie, I think, but it was kind of weird to, intro- to say you're weird. Yeah, introducing, introducing him. him when everyone already knows that, who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Stanley is on his way to Camp Green Lake because he is a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> yeah. He uh, was caught supposedly stealing a pair of shoes. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, but in reality, the shoes kind of fell from the sky on top of Stanley. And hit him on the head. And they smelled bad, which is a weird reason to take shoes, but... It makes sense because his dad is trying to invent a way to recycle old sneakers. Yeah. So he kind of saw this as like a sign from God almost. And that so he, he should bring these to his dad. <laughs> yeah. So he took these like baseball cleats and was running home mm-hmm. when the police caught up to him and informed him that they were stolen. And he basically had no excuse as to why he had them. Yeah. And so the whole setup of this is that uh, Sweet Feet Livingston or Clyde yeah. Livingston, he's like this famous baseball player player in the book um, was donating a pair of his shoes to a homeless shelter and they were going to like raffle it off for a lot of money and then donate it to the homeless shelter and Stanley has allegedly stolen them and they're like how could you steal from sweet feet and also from from orphans orphans like you <laughs> terrible person I love the it's so terrible but the uh the flashback to the courtroom scene oh yeah when um sweet feet is on the stand like testifying yeah. which is so crazy that they would like get him to I know. do that but he's just um sitting on the bench and looking at him right in the eyes and just like I don't know who would steal from orphans <laughs> you're no fan of mine <laughs> and okay so it's this brutal. this whole part is honestly really ridiculous because who would try to send a child to jail for stealing a pair of I know. shoes like that's not gonna happen and I mean like they were probably worth a lot of money yeah and I think in terms of like, the setup of stealing it from orphans is probably pretty shitty. But, like, yeah. Stanley doesn't have previous... No, he doesn't have a criminal record, background. He's so. 14 years old, you yeah. know. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'll, yeah, we, we just have to accept my it. Disbelief. <laughs> so, uh, we then are informed of Stanley's family history. Yeah, and his family curse. the curse that haunts him. Mm-hmm. When, well, I guess it was his great-great-great-grandfather... Great great grandfather. Just great great grandfather. Forget yeah. the number of greats. His no good, dirty, pig stealing great great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> he uh and in the story, both the book and the movie go into this kind of flashback sequence. Yeah. That and, and the the movie and book both have a lot of flashbacks, but it's really interesting. It creates kind of this really rich, interesting story. Yeah. 
And uh, so his grandfather, he his name wasn't Stanley. It no, was, it was Elia. Yes. Elia Yelnats. And his family's from Latvia. So it you know, starts out in Latvia. And Elia falls in love with this girl who is pretty but stupid. And her father won't let him marry him. And so basically he goes to uh, Madame Zeroni to kind of get some help so he can marry her. Yes, and Madame Zeroni tells him to take this small piglet and carry it up the mountain every day. and Sing a song to it. (laughs) Sing a song to it while it drinks the water. Mm -hmm. And the pig will grow bigger and he'll grow bigger. And then he'll have a suitable pig to purchase his future wife with. (laughs) Yes, the way it should be. (laughs) And so he does this. And also part of the bargain or deal was Madame Zeroni says that he has to, after he completes this task, carry her up the mountain so she can drink from the river. And be strong. While he sings to her and so she can get strong. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because in the book, they're friends. Like he's talked to her before. They've gone, they've Mm kind of hung out. And she knows him and everything. In the movie, it's she's much more of like kind of this interesting villainous type yeah. character. They really play up the whole like gypsy curse type thing. And she does these really like crazy like <laughs> like laughs. <laughs> yeah, she's very much kind of a caricature. Of yeah, the, and the she seems like maybe she's trying to trick Elia into you know cursing him. But in the book, it's sort of just like oh, and then like. After you do all this, can you like bring it in the mountain too? Oh, but if you don't, you and your family will be cursed. <laughs> yeah, the stakes are pretty high. Yeah. It's a small task, but big, big consequences. Yeah, and so long story short, like he ends up not marrying this girl because she doesn't really care for him. And he is so upset about it, he goes to America, jumps on a boat to America. And then once he's like halfway across <laughs> the ocean, realizes that he forgot to carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. And he's like, oh. He's like, can curses follow you over the ocean? <laughs> I don't think probably so. Probably not. I'm probably I think okay. I'm fine. <laughs> so yeah, everyone in Stanley's family ever since then has had like bad luck and has blamed it on Elia Yelnats, their dirty, no good, rotten, pig-stealing ancestor. Yes. Uh, so Stanley arrives at Camp Green Lake, mm-hmm. and we kind of get an introduction to the other boys of the camp yeah. and the the kind of villainous uh, runners of the camp. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Mr. Sir first, yes. since he's the first one we're introduced to. Yes. Uh, Mr. Sir is played by John Voight, and... You know how um, when a movie comes out, it's usually a dramatic movie yeah. with a really strong performance, and th- they'll have some kind of critical praise on the poster, and it'll be like, um, Daniel Day-Lewis is a revelation. That should have been on the poster of Holes with John Voight. <laughs> it should have said, John Voight is a revelation. Is a he, gift to humanity. <laughs> he is so good in this role as he Mr. Is. Sir. Honestly, the casting in this movie is like spot on. Yeah. There's no weak links. No, but especially Mr. Sir. Like, he plays it so well. You know, he's creepy, crazy, you know, weird. He's kind of got this weird swagger to him. But, like, he's still really doofusy and Mm -hmm. gets put in his place multiple times. And it's an amazing role. He brings so much comedic relief to it. And he's just out of this world good in this role. Another character is Mr. Podansky. The campers call him mom. And he's just one of the counselors. And he's kind of in charge of the group of boys that Stanley ends up being in that group. And 
He's kind of weird because he seems like he's really nice at first to all the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I take care of them. They call me mom, la, la, la. But he's actually kind of like terrible. <laughs> yeah, he's specifically shitty to Zero. Yeah, he like hates Zero it's, for some It's reason. very bizarre. They mm-hmm. kind of... Never explain it. No, mm-hmm. no. But it kind of highlights that he's really kind of still a shitty person the whole time. Yeah. Uh, he's played by Tim Blake Nelson, who... You would definitely recognize him mm-hmm. watching it. You'll you'll know him from certain roles, but he's he's also good. In yeah. It. Uh, the kids, the other kids. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. There. So there's like a bunch of different campers. Uh, I guess campers is <laughs> sort of a misleading term. Inmates. Yeah. I guess would be a better term since it's a juvenile detention center. But um. So yeah, they all have you know regular names, but they've sort of um put themselves into this kind of like tribe. So um, they've given each other these nicknames and it's sort of their way of recognizing each other. Um, X-Ray is sort of the leader of Stanley's group of boys. Mm -hmm. And then there's other illustrious names like Armpit, Squid, X-Ray, or I said X-Ray. Zigzag. Zigzag. Yeah. uh, Magnet. (laughs) Squid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're... They're really great characters. Yeah. X-Ray is really interesting. He's kind of the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of got this intimidating factor to him. Yeah. That's kind of tough to he's put not your finger. He's not the biggest kid. No, but he's, he's real. not the smartest. He's real good at kind of pressuring like uh, Stanley in certain situations. Yeah. And he's just, he's interesting. You have Armpit. Uh, Zero obviously becomes a big character in mm-hmm. the book and the, in the movie. They're played so well in the movie, I think, because they're they convincingly act like kids from kind of a rougher background. Yeah, but they're never caricatures. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're all very convincing in their dialogue. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of like you know it's a rough-ish world. You know, he's in a juvenile detention center, so not everyone is immediately welcoming. But there is kind of this bonding camaraderie between them it's that's not to say that things can't shift and they can't turn on each other Mm -hmm. but they do like that all they have is each other so they do kind of have this setup especially with like the nicknames it's kind of a way of them to claim their their tribe their group of people yeah they give stanley uh some crap early on when he first gets to the camp yeah uh but they're they relatively quickly kind of you know adopt him into their in the into their group yeah they call him caveman (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, so yeah, the, the kids are just amazing in, in the film. Mm-hmm. And so this is, you find out compl- like immediately and on the first page of the, the book that Camp Green Lake, there is no lake at Camp Green Lake. <laughs> it's no. just a dry desert. And, you know, it tells you that there used to be a lake, but, um, there was a drought and everything dried up and it hasn't rained there in like a hundred years. And so what used to be the lake is just this dry desert wasteland. And now the boys to build their character, have to dig a hole five by five, five feet deep and wide uh, to every day. Yes. <laughs> to Under the hot Texas sun. Yeah. Uh, to, as Mr. Sir put it, you make a, what is it? You make, you a, make boy, a bad boy. You make a bad boy dig a, a hole in the hot sun all day and it turns him into a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I love this, 
this concept. So they go out every day mm-hmm. into the uh, into the desert and are like just digging these holes. Yeah, they, they're all wearing these orange jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. And it's something about this story that I just love the visual. Yes, of this like and the movie does a great job yeah. with the shots like, and with the desert, a field of holes, and mm-hmm. these kids in orange jumpsuits digging. I could almost I know the author didn't come up with the story this way, but I could almost see someone like coming up with that image and then building a story around it almost. Yeah. Because it's just so kind of almost captivating in that way. Well, and the author did say that he kind of got the idea for this story um, thinking about Camp Green Lake as a place and sort of that idea coming to him like this lake that, you know, used to be a lake but had dried up and having to kind of be in this dry, hot desert area. So that's sort of interesting. Yeah. Like that came to him first. That was his idea. And you can tell that the sense of place is really strong in the book and in the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think the author like dug a hole that big <laughs> oh, to research? He should have if he, he didn't. He should have. <laughs> I would feel like I'd almost have to if I was writing the story to like... To be able to describe it accurately. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But maybe, maybe he did. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot about like Stanley digging his first hole, you know, like... In the book, he's, you know, overweight and not in shape. And so it's really physically demanding for him to dig this hole. And it is for all of the boys, but they've done it for so long. And they they make a lot of jokes about, oh, the first hole's the hardest. And then he goes out again. They're like, just kidding, the second hole's the hardest. Just kidding, the third hole's the hardest. And, you know, (laughs) at at some point, you do kind of get used to it and you build up your muscles and stuff. But at the beginning, you know, you have all these blisters. It's hot. You're just, like, dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, we start to get a little bit into the uh, the history of Camp Green, like a little bit more, mm-hmm. and we the we start to be introduced to the story of when Camp Green Lake was actually a town around the real physical lake when it still existed yeah. before the drought. Mm-hmm. And so we're introduced to uh, Miss Kate, mm-hmm. who is the school teacher of this town. Yeah. And the other main character of this story arc, uh, Sam. The onion seller. The onion seller. And this is my favorite part of the book and movie. I, I honestly really? love these flashbacks. I do too. They're they're good. Mm-hmm. They're really sweet in the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, especially Sam's character who he he starts fixing up things around the around the schoolhouse, you it's know. It's so sweet. I like can't <laughs> I handle can see it. your face like scrunching up. I'm getting so sad thinking about it. It yeah, is. It's super sad. It's just like Kate is a school teacher and she's basically trying to teach these dumb as dirt Texas people <laughs> how to read. <laughs> and like no one is grateful to her and all they care about are her peaches. Pretty she makes much. these spiced peaches and they're like, she's so pretty and she makes peaches. And she's like, just learn, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Sam uh, comes to town every day. Sam is black mm-hmm. and he sells onions. Yeah. Um, everyone's really nice. Obviously this takes place in a time when this is like a hundred years ago. Yeah, so there's still like segregation and stuff. Yeah. But they let him come and sell the onions. And everyone, there's a lot of flashbacks to everyone, him talking to people and everyone being real nice really and cool. getting along yeah. and cool. And you yeah. think that things would be okay. You think that things would be fine. <laughs> and he, so he sells onions and he has this boat that he rows aclo- across the lake back when there was a lake uh, to his 
mysterious onion fields yes. where he picks them and then sells them. And he's all about how onions can cure everything, you know, baldness, you know, sickness, you know, whatever. Just he's super eccentric about his onions. Yeah. He, he really a, loves them. a donkey that he's always feeding the onions to and. And claims that she's 100 years old, the donkey. Because she eats onions. <laughs> so um, he offers to fix the roof of the schoolhouse because it's leaking. And this starts him fixing a lot of things around the schoolhouse and yeah. talking to Miss Kate a lot. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they're like, you know, this book is very, I'm not going to say simple, but the the way it describes things is more simplistic. You know, it doesn't give you a lot of description. No, It just no. gives you like some dialogue, a few, you know, lines of description and it keeps moving, but you can fill in the blanks. And so there's a couple discussions where Kate and Sam are talking and, you know, they've read the same like poetry or, you know, they have uh, books and learning in common, which is kind of rare for, you know, African-Americans and for this Texas town because they talk about how, half the adults are like illiterate and can't read also. Yeah. So they build this bond. Yeah. And it ends up, (laughs) it's so sweet because in the movie, oh my God, it's in the book too, but every time something's broken, he's like, I can fix that. And then one day she's like crying and he just comes up to her and he's like, I can fix that. And then they kiss. And then they kiss. And it's so sweet. It is so sweet. I feel like as a 12 or 13 year old watching this movie, this was like, so revolutionary to me. This is like, oh my God, this is so like romantic and beautiful. It and is. Sam is like so like kind, but also sexy, you know? <laughs> it's nice because because it's only like a subplot of the story. Yeah. They can keep it simple and sweet and they don't have to justify the romance to us at all. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if this was like the entire movie, it probably would like collapse on itself. Or be too sentimental, maybe. Yeah, but like just in these small although there is one scene set to music between the two of them that is it's still sweet but it's really cheesy the which one i forget there's just music and mm. it's a montage i think and like it kind of shows them in slowish motion oh you know what i mean oh yeah 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 <laughs> i wish i could remember the song but uh so when they kiss uh one of the townspeople sees mm-hmm. and the next minute uh, they're all assembled with pitchforks and torches. Yeah. And they start burning the schoolhouse down. And the like, schoolhouse that Sam just spent all that time fixing up. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I I guess that seemed like an, a justified yeah. move. They're like, this is what learning brings to us. <laughs> <laughs> this will teach you to learn. Yeah. Um. So luckily, well, not luckily. Sam isn't there at the, in the schoolhouse, yeah. he begins to try. To, it's a little different book to movie. In yeah. the movie, it's just him rowing across. Mm-hmm. In the book, uh, Kate is with him. They're trying to escape together. Run away together on the boat, yeah. But the guy whose dad owns the town who has... Trout a, Walker. Trout Walker. They call him Trout Walker because his feet smell like two dead fish. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but he wants to marry Kate, and she's like, No. Your feet smell like dead fish. <laughs> yeah. You're super gross, and I don't. And he's like, "Do you know who my father is?" <laughs> yeah. Um. So they catch up with the boat, yeah. and they end up shooting Sam. Mm-hmm. And no one would 
help Sam or listen to reason at all, including yeah, like the sheriff. Kate goes to the sheriff and he's drunk and she's like, they're burning the schoolhouse down. And he tells her, like, I always get drunk before hanging. And so implying that they're going to hang Sam. Um, so lynching him. And, mm-hmm. you know, she kind of says to him, well, you should hang me too because I kissed him back, you know, and he's like, well, it's not against the law for you to kiss him. It's against the law for him to kiss you. I think this was probably a good book for kids to read who might yeah, not be familiar not with. not know about these, you know, Jim Crow laws mm-hmm. and this segregation and how, you know, a black man or any African-American does one thing wrong or is accused of doing something to a white person and they're just killed. Mm-hmm. And race even played somewhat of a factor in the story of Stanley a little yeah. bit. Because the group of kids at um, Camp Green Lake is diverse. Mm-hmm. And there's things that happen that they kind of talk about race a little bit, which is interesting. Yeah, and it's super interesting because like in the book, after um, some people catch Kate and Sam kissing... One person says to them, God will punish you. Oh, yeah. And then they talk about how after Sam was killed, not one drop of rain fell for 100 years. And the author slash narrator literally asks in the book, they're like, who do you think God is punishing? Yeah, did you like that? I, I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked almost, it. It felt a little... Um, like too much? Yeah, just because the author never really addressed the reader. Ever. Ever mm-hmm. until then, as mm-hmm. far as I can remember. And so it seemed kind of like this weird moment where he kind of turns to the audience and is like, who do you think was cursed? I mean, I think it's worthwhile, especially like, not that children couldn't figure that out, but True. just to like emphasize it more to, you know, a child-type mm-hmm. audience that, like, well, who do you think God was really punishing yeah. if, you know, no rain fell after Sam died? Yeah. I guess in the in the context of it being a kid's book, I, I understand it a little bit. Yeah. Just reading it, it felt a little, of like, we get off. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get it, and it felt a little off. But, mm-hmm. uh, so this leads to Kate just turning into a badass. Kate goes dark Kate. <laughs> dark Kate. She shows up at the sheriff's office and just shoots him. Yes, it's great. And she begins her reign as kissing Kate Barlow. The famous outlaw. Who kisses all the men after she shoots them to death. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'll kiss you, but only after you're dead. Which is a great signature. Uh, yeah, and then she just becomes a, a famous outlaw. Oh, and what's really sad, though, is that Kate and Sam don't get to bang before Sam they dies. Don't. <laughs> this is something Adina and I talk about all the time with movies. Because yeah. in scenes where, like, star-crossed lovers, yeah. uh, where one of them eventually dies, there's always that element of did or didn't they bang before one of them died. And it's like, if they're going to die, I want them to be able to, like, be together and like have some sex before they yeah, die. Yeah, they deserve you know? it. They do. And like what classic example of this is Romeo and Juliet, you know? Sure. They both end up dying these really terrible, horrific deaths, but they got to they got to do it before they died mm-hmm. at least one time. <laughs> yes, it's it's a very important test that I wish all stories could pass. I know, because I feel so bad. Like Sam and Kate just had that one kiss and 
it's not like they didn't still love each other or Kate still didn't miss Sam, but would have been nice if she could have carried around that memory of one. You know what the sixth grade novel needed more of <laughs> is sex. sex. <laughs> it's true. This is a children's novel. <laughs> you know what? If children can learn about racism in this novel, they can learn about sex too, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they could have just been like, that morning when Sam and Kate woke up together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this also ties into something else that is a part of Stanley's history. Yeah. His great-grandfather. Stanley Yelnats the first. Yes. Um, got robbed by kissing Kate Barlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, his stagecoach got overtaken and she stole possessions from him. Yeah, he had like made a fortune in the stock market and then he was going out west... I With guess to live all of his there. fortune, I all guess. All of his fortune. <laughs> but where else could, like, what else could he do back then? I guess. <laughs> I guess you were limited back then in yeah. how you carried You had and to carry it all with you. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he just transfer it into a, into a bank account? <laughs> Use his debit card. <laughs> yeah, and so she robs him, and then she doesn't kill him, probably because he, you know, wasn't really a threat to her, but she leaves him in the desert. And Which, I mean, is as good as killing yeah, him, Yeah, he's basically. completely stranded. He has no water. And then they find him like 13 days later. And it's sort of like a family legend where the fir- the main Stanley, our Stanley, mm-hmm. kind of asks his dad and like grandpa, like, well, what happened to him? How did he survive? And they're like, oh, well, he was crazy when they found him. So they really don't know. He says that he found refuge on God's thumb, but no one knows what the hell he's talking about. Because he was an insane person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's another kind of, one of the multiple historic, like, subplots of this story. Yeah, it's super interesting because there's basically, like, four levels to this story. At least. There's, There's the main... Stanley story at Camp Green Lake. Mm-hmm. And then there's the original camp, original Green Lake with Kissing Kate and Sam. Mm-hmm. And then there's Elliot Yelnats, you know, Stanley's family original story. The great, great pig steel and grandfather. Yeah. And then there's the two backstories converging with Stanley's ancestor getting robbed and Kissing Kate robbing him. So it's so interesting. Like everything is connected and these flashbacks are a really make the story super rich and interesting mm-hmm. and full. And it makes it enjoyable to read too. Cause you're constantly kind of jumping back and forth yeah. and it keeps it pretty sectioned off. Like he talks about the, um, Elia Yelnat story mm-hmm. to completion. And then he addresses the camp green, like history. And that kind of goes back and forth a little. Yeah, yeah. So it gives it some structure, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just, it's not pulp fiction where it's just yeah. like all insane. Going all around the place. Yeah. And, I was reading that the author, when Stanley's digging his first hole, wanted it to be kind of seem like it was a long time, but he didn't want to just be like, oh, and then he was digging more and then he was digging more. (laughs) So it kind of breaks up Stanley digging his first hole with the flashback of Elia Yelnats, his ancestor. Which is really smart. Yeah. And then kind of keeps going back to like, oh, and then we're back in the hole. And he's still digging. And he's still digging. (laughs) And then continue with the backstory. So I I really like that. Yeah. it, It was great structure that really enhances the story a whole lot yeah so stanley is digging holes every day <laughs> as you do at camp green lake <laughs> digging up uh, yes. uh, dig it digging, digging up, up uh, 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 
<laughs> <laughs> That's such a good song. It is. It's oh my really god. It's really good actually. They played the music video like all the time on Disney Channel. Anyone who remembers this time knows that they played it like every day. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else is like me, you might have had false memories of this song. Yeah. Because thinking back, I think you kind of thought this too. I did too. I yeah. thought it was digging up them holes, dig it. Digging up them holes and then holes, <laughs> but it's just digging. Uh, 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 uh. Dig <laughs> like, it. Yeah. It's just kind of grunts, which I was really surprised by. I always thought it was lyrics. It sounds but... like they're saying holes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But oh, it's such a good song. This whole soundtrack's pretty good. Yeah, and didn't you say that the the actors came up with the lyrics to this song? Yeah, that's so. And in the credits, um, when it gets to the song, uh contributions or who yeah. they're accredited to mm-hmm. they do have i think all of the kid actors like including shia labeouf listed for writing that song yeah from what i remember hearing a long time ago and i couldn't find anything about this but to substantiate it yeah but apparently the kids like between takes were like hanging out and just you know being kids and they started this like doing this song and like creating verses about their characters yeah and, and there's stuff. like some rap type verses to it so yeah and mm-hmm. then disney's like how do we make money off this <laughs> how do we make money off of this organic creativity and they're like it's fine kids we'll just give you credits in the <laughs> in the at the end of this movie for it, writing it it's kind of cool though because like there's different verses there's one verse for like Stanley slash caveman where he sings there's like an armpit verse and like a couple other ones so yeah yeah so it's it's a great song it, mm-hmm. it still holds up I think oh I think yeah it's, still great. it's so fun <laughs> the the soundtrack for the whole for the movie is super good there's a few songs that are a little dated mm-hmm. or a little cheesy yeah but uh there's a good song by Moby I think it's just called honey uh-huh uh there's a song uh down to the valley that's yeah. really good it's like a spiritual type song yeah there's a lot of good music in it surprisingly mm-hmm so back to the holes. Back to the holes. That's still <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, Stanley digs up a gold tube. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those interesting cases where X-Ray kind of pressures him. Yeah. Where he's like, hey, you just got here. If you find anything, give it to me. Because the kids find out that if they find anything interesting and they give it to the word and then she likes it. Yeah. Then they get the rest of the day off. Mm-hmm. So it's real. They they're always kind of looking for something. Yeah, even though they say they're not looking for anything. Only character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Stanley gives X-ray the tube, and he convinces X-ray not to uh, give it to the warden until the following day because he was already done with his hole pretty much. Yeah. So that way he'd get pretty much the whole day off. The next day. The next yeah. day. So the next day, when they've changed locations, mm-hmm. he pretends to find it in this random spot, and. They get the warden to come down. Mm -hmm. And this is where we're introduced to the warden. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. I love it. Mother flipping Sigourney. She is amazing. Once again, the casting of this movie is just impeccable. She is the warden. Perfect for it. I read somewhere that her daughter really liked the book. So that made her kind of want to take this role. I hear that a lot with actors. Yeah. Like, I, in a lot of the Marvel movies, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, famous actors who do them are like, my grandkids like these movies, so <laughs> I thought I'd do one. <laughs> Makes me seem cool to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's, like, when your parents joined Facebook, though. It's like, yeah. Grandpa, <laughs> like, you're ruining it. <laughs> Maybe. But if my mom was Sigourney Weaver, I would not care. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so uh, the, the warden shows up, and... 
she really like it's it's a gold tube and it says KB on the bottom. Yeah, and no one really knows what it is. They talk about it being a shotgun shotgun shell mm-hmm. casing, uh, but they don't think it is, and they kind of go back and forth. But she digs it, whatever it is. Yeah. Oh my digs god. Digs it. No. <laughs> um. Yeah, she's super excited about it, and immediately she's like, "Okay, keep, let's like widen." Uh, x-rays hole and like everyone start <laughs> digging this hole <laughs> what nothing what <laughs> just you saying let's widen x-rays hole <laughs> sorry oh my god you're so weird <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> so they start like this excavation site yeah which is weird because it kind of becomes less about them digging holes to build character yeah. and more about like Finding we're something. finding something, and yeah. Stanley in the book is clearly like picking up. Like we're definitely out here looking for something. This yeah. isn't just about building character. And nobody else mentions anything. That doesn't mean like the other boys haven't also noticed this, but we don't really get their perspective, and they never say anything to Stanley about it. So it's just Stanley being like, "Hmm, <laughs> this seems off." <laughs> well, you kind of get the sense that like maybe no one's really found anything the whole time they've been out there. Yeah, not till Stanley. Yeah, yeah, like it's kind of rare too. Um, so they expand their excavation and they find nothing. Mm-hmm. And Sigourney Weaver gets really pissed about it, and they kind of go back to digging their individual holes. Yeah, and then around this time too, there's um, Magnet steals Mister Sir's sunflower seed bag out of his truck when he's coming to bring them water, <laughs> and then of course it ends up all dumped in Stanley's hole, like when they're trying to hide it. And so Stanley gets blamed for it. Yeah. Uh, so he gets taken back to the warden because to her cabin. Mr. Sir's super mad about it. Mm-hmm. And they, he, she, Stanley confesses to the warden yeah. stealing the sunflower seeds. And Mr. Sir's like kind of all cocky at this point. Like, like, what are we going to do to him? Yeah, and this young whippersnapper. These kids. <laughs> <laughs> the warden is she gets this nail polish out. Yeah, she's like, Stanley, will you get my nail polish for me? And he's like, okay. And she starts putting it on, and she's like, I use rattlesnake venom for it. And then she like creepily... Touches his face. Touches his face. Mm -hmm. And then she just slaps the shit out of Mr. Sir. Yeah, and like scrapes her nails into his face. And so he has these three like cuts across his cheek mm-hmm. and he's like writhing on the ground because the pain. venom got into it yeah and this is really like unsettling for stanley yeah that he watched like the warden just strike mr sir and then she's like go back to your hole stanley and he's like what the fuck? <laughs> so she is like very intense ruthless you know very hard and obviously has rattlesnake venom in her fingernails, just in case. (laughs) Just on the off chance. (laughs) Yeah, but this is sort of interesting about the book and the movie. There's this sort of sense of dread and danger throughout the book and the movie. You know, they say at the beginning, like, there's rattlesnakes out there, there's scorpions, and then there are yellow-spotted lizards. Yes, which are the most dangerous thing if they bite you, you're guaranteed to die pretty much. Like immediately. And if they're in the movie, they're horrible CGI. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll chase you around in their... Not the best. 2003 CGI quality. Yeah. And this is a made-up type of lizard. There's no such thing as a mm-hmm. yellow-spotted, very poisonous lizard. But it's effective. You know, if they run into 
this lizard, they just all are like screaming and running away because it's so terrifying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the warden is very unpredictable. She just like slapped the shit out of Mr. Sir and Stanley is clearly affected by it. And there's a part in the book where um, he comes back to dig his hole after everything happens with Mr. Sir and the other boys are like, oh, what happened? What did the warden do? And he's like, nothing, nothing. And he says like, he didn't say anything because he hoped that if he didn't talk about it, that it would be like it didn't happen. Yeah. Which is really sad. You're like, it is. oh, poor Stanley. Like, this is some traumatic shit. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. So there's kind of a heightened danger all around in this story. Yeah. Uh, and then things kind of take another step up when uh, Stanley discovers that Zero, mm-hmm. who's kind of the quiet, like, I'm not shy. He's yeah. kind of intense in a weird way, but very quiet. Doesn't talk to anyone. Yeah. Uh, Stanley discovers Zero can't read, mm-hmm. and Zero kind of likes Stanley. Yeah, and it's you don't they don't ever really find out why. Maybe because Stanley isn't as aggressive as some of the other boys. Although I do think Zero discovers why Stanley is in. Oh yeah. The mm-hmm. uh, at, at Camp Green Lake, which because kind he of stole the shoes because yeah. he stole the shoes, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a factor in Zero's storyline. Yeah. So Zero asks Stanley to teach him, how, teach to him how to read, and Stanley agrees to, but only if... And, and Stanley didn't create this... Um, bargain. Bargain, but Zero agrees to dig part of Stanley's hole yeah. each day so that he'd have the energy to, to teach, teach him. him. And also so they'd be done at the same time, because mm-hmm. Zero is a much faster digger than Stanley is. So yeah, he starts to teach him how to read and they sort of get to know each other. And Stanley is surprised to find out how smart Zero is. And he really has a head for mathematics. Like he can just calculate uh, numbers and figures kind of instantly. I loved that. Yeah. Just kind of like, especially for a kid's book that you might not be, you might not know one thing or necessarily have a strength in one area, but you can be really smart in another. You can still be smart and have a natural talent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he pretty quickly starts to learn how to read. Stanley even admits like, I'm not really the best teacher, but he was like, his potential was just there. All he needed was like one person to kind of show him the basics and he kind of picks up on it fast. And he kind of gets to know Zero more and finds out, you know, why he ended up at Camp Green Lake, which he was just picked up on the street. Or, no, he... So, should we talk about the the sneakers thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we discover later. Mm-hmm. Um, but Zero confesses later that he was the one who stole the shoes yeah. from the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And when the cops... And which he didn't know yeah. whose shoes they were or anything about him because he couldn't read mm-hmm. and didn't know, like, what the placard or whatever said yeah so later when the cops are running around looking for someone he throws them off an overpass Mm -hmm. which is how they fell on stanley yeah and so he kind of feels bad about that that stanley was blamed for it and then he gets arrested only a day or two later from like stealing some shoes from a store yeah which he stole them from a payless yeah and well i don't know i guess it makes sense in that he was he didn't have a mom yeah so they didn't have anywhere to send him. Yeah. He got, Zero got separated from his mom. Mm-hmm. And his his whole story is really interesting. It's it, really sad. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. And I guess because he became a warden of the state, like they had to do something with him. So maybe that's why they were more willing to send him to Camp Green, to Camp Lake. Green Lake. But yeah. once again, stealing a pair of shoes seems pretty. Yeah, pretty light. Mm-hmm. But um, that's how the story went <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting. There's this part where... 
um, he's telling Stanley about his mom and how, you know, they weren't always homeless and, you know, they would spend time together and then kind of go from place to place. And then he says that like one day he was waiting for her and she just never came back. Yeah. And he talks about, he's like, oh, do you know Lainey Park? And, and Stanley's like, oh yeah, that's like near my neighborhood. Like I used to go there all the time. And Zira's like, yeah, I used to sleep in the, like. In the tunnel. In the tunnel. It, it was, yeah, the movie, there was a similar exchange in the book. Yeah. But the movie kind of rearranged it into that exchange where it just hits you. It hits you so hard. Right in the yeah. gut. Because Stanley was like, oh, yeah, the park. And he's like, yeah, I used to sleep in it. Yeah. And he doesn't say it in like a. In a pity me type no. way. It's just a matter of fact way. But that's that's what even gets you more is that it's just kind of how. Whatever How he lived. Yeah. yeah. And Stanley's sort of realizing like, this is a park where I played. My parents would take me. And for Zero, this was his home for a while. Like, he had to stay here, and he had no one to take care of him. And it's just, like, this super interesting way that their pasts have crossed in the past, and it's only now that they're kind of joining together. And it does seem like there's a destiny and a purpose to Mm -hmm. them meeting. So... Uh, the kids get really mad that Zero's digging part of Stanley's hole. Yeah. And it kind of erupts into a fight mm-hmm. where Zigzag is giving Stanley some crap for it. Yeah. And things are heating up. And Mr. Pendansky, who's there, suddenly encourages does not help the children to fight. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, Stanley, why don't you why don't you push him back? Like, hit him He's back, Stanley. You. Go ahead. You, you've got, like, at least 100 pounds on him. <laughs> so he just, like, encourages this child fight ring to, yeah. to break out <laughs> child fight ring. <laughs> yeah so it's zig- zigzag right that's mad yes yeah zigzag. zigzag is like super pissed that zero has been digging stanley's hole so he starts like beating on stanley and then zigzag loses his mind and starts choking out i'm sorry zero zero they're both z's <laughs> God damn it zero starts choking up zigzag yeah and then to help stanley to help stanley yeah so anyway like this erupts in all the word and all the people showing up all the counselors mm-hmm. and, and uh they eventually confess to uh that stanley is helping zero read yeah and this is where mr pendansky starts shitting on zero the most where he's like Listen, Stanley, it's too much for his little brain. Like, that's why he blew up and choked Zigzag. Like, yeah, it's he, not the hot sun. He's just, like, too crazy and too stupid to learn anything. He's like, oh, you might as well teach the shovel to read, I think, in the movie is what he says. Yeah, and he hands the, the shovel to Zigzag and... Or, to Zero. Oh, my God. <laughs> he hands the shovel to Zero and says, this will. This is all you'll be good for. Yeah. And then Zero takes the shovel and just lays out Mr. Pendansky. Hits him the, upside the head. He's knocked unconscious. Zero's like, I'm not digging any more holes. And then just runs away into the desert. Into the desert. <laughs> And there's this great scene in the movie where Mr. Stir starts running after him, like, and he has his gun, and the warden's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, Are you, you going to shoot him? You can't shoot him. <laughs> He's like, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. <laughs> uh, so... You know, he's out in the desert. Everyone assumes he's going to die. Yeah. And, and there's a great scene where, and this is goes back to the kids being so 
good at their roles and, and being well written for where yeah like at night Stanley's just laying in bed thinking about it awake mm-hmm. and all the kids are talking about him yeah and they're like oh man like he's not gonna live like more there's than, no water out there like he's gonna be buzzard food mm-hmm. and like I hear like the vultures like start with the eyes or something they're kind of gross about it yeah. and like it's so believable though just being like kids and just trying to like joke about something like yeah kind of yeah. not really taking the seriousness of mm-hmm. it or maybe they are. I mean, they've seen a lot of shit for their age. But so Stanley decides to take matters into his own hands. And the next day at the camp, he attempts to steal the water truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he so while Mr. Sir is there um, filling up everyone's canteen, mm-hmm. they have this truck, this pickup truck, and it's got the huge water tank on water it, water tank on the back. So Stanley manages to get inside and the keys are in it and mm-hmm. he takes off with the truck. Yeah. And it's so fun. It is such a great scene and they do it so well in the movie. I oh, love yeah. it in the movie. It's the, the, just... the movie <laughs> plays up the scene even better than the book because he's yeah. screaming out the window like, and oh! everyone's waving yeah, to him and it's and like this real like euphoric moment. Yeah. Mr. Sir is like yelling and trying to chase after them. And, and that's when Stanley drives the truck right into one of the holes. <laughs> It's so great. It's I don't know, just the the, the total irony of the whole of the whole situation. <laughs> of the whole. <laughs> Damn it. And so Stanley, because he's like, I guess I'm just gonna run now. Yeah. He's like, I kind of screwed myself. So he takes off into the desert mm-hmm. after zero without with no water. With no water. Mm-hmm. So luckily Stanley finds zero. He's not dead. Yeah. He finds him in the middle of the desert, hiding out under an overturned boat, mm-hmm. which ends up being Sam's boat yeah. from when he was shot. Good thing there's not like ago. a dead body in there, though, like or a <laughs> yeah. skeleton even. Like it's just the boat. <laughs> yeah. What if, what if like, yeah, I just found this weird skeleton underneath. I just kind of like dug it out. Hope it wasn't anyone. Yeah, but there's like spiced peaches in there yeah that are like clearly from uh kate back in the day that he just kept in his boat they're still in jars so they've like kind of turned into like a glue fermented almost yeah i was gonna say wouldn't they have like fermented they fermented yeah because they said they were kind of bubbly okay yeah but they wouldn't have become alcohol i don't know how i don't know i don't know how stuff works they maybe were (laughs) alcohol the kids just didn't realize it (laughs) they were just getting smashed yeah out in the desert (laughs) so that's what zero's been surviving on this whole time and then stanley kind of has this idea he's like well see how there's mountains like on the other side of the desert slash lake we should try to get to there there might be water because he recognizes the yeah. mountain mm-hmm. as he kind of looks at it for a minute and he holds his hand out with his thumb up and mm-hmm. he's like, does this look like a thumb to you, the, the mountain? Yeah. And so he gets the the feeling that this is God's thumb yeah. that his great un- great f- grandfather mm-hmm. found when he was stranded in the desert. Yeah, which he doesn't really have any reason because they never say <laughs> that it's the same place that his, his great no. grandfather got stranded, but he's still like, we should go there. <laughs> in the movie, it helps because it looks so much like a thumb yeah. that you get it a little bit more mm-hmm. in the book. You're just like, you, okay, sure. You kind of have to trust him a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Because Zero won't go back to the camp. No, he refuses. he refuses. Yeah. So they begin this epic journey to get back mm-hmm. to the to, to get to God's thumb. Yeah. So they're they're 
trying to get there and they know if they don't find water or anything, they're going to die. Yeah. Because they're just totally dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And then Zero starts getting sick. Mm-hmm. And in the book, it's maybe they think maybe the peaches were had bacteria in them or something. In the book, in the movie, it's just sort of like Zero is just really exhausted and is mm-hmm. getting tired. And so at one point, Stanley actually kind of swings uh, Zero over his shoulder and starts carrying him the rest of the way up the mountain. And it's a really cool scene in the book. I really love it because it's like Stanley is really struggling, but then he kind of feels like strong inside himself. And, you know, it, it kind of is like all that work digging holes is kind of built up his strength. And then he also sort of feels like the mountain is giving him strength too mm-hmm. and like helping him. Yeah, so he manages to get Zero up the rest of the way. Yeah. And Zero's still in rough shape. And it's interesting. I like that in the movie, they just find like this stream, yeah. like a, a babbling brook at the mm-hmm. top. Uh, in the book, though, he just realizes the the soil is moist. And it's kind of muddy. And kind of muddy. So yeah. he start, he digs another hole, uh-huh. and it fills up with enough water that they're able to drink, to drink it. from it. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to drink water, and he digs up. In, while he's digging, he finds onions. Mm-hmm. And obviously the reader connects this. This is where Sam's onion patch was. Yeah, across the lake. Wagon yeah. was the lake. Yeah, and so in the book... Stanley leaves the shovel and like this bag that they had brought with them um, when he picks up Zero. So it's like partially up the mountain when Zero can't make it anymore. He leaves all that stuff behind and just carries Zero up. And then a day or so later after they've had some of the water at the top and the onions, he is like, okay, I'm going to go back down to get the shovel so we can make a deeper hole so we can get more water. Um, and so he goes back down to try to find the shovel and he like can't find the shovel. And he's like, this is really far down. Like, I don't know where it is. And they talk about how he has to rest like three separate times because it's like too strenuous for him when he's trying to find the shovel. Mm-hmm. And eventually he's about to head back because he thinks he must have passed it and he finds it like yeah. at the bottom of where he is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a really uplifting moment to for him to realize like, you know, I'm going downhill right now on a yeah. full stomach of onions and have had water mm-hmm. and I'm not carrying anything and I'm getting tired. Yeah. He's like, before I was uphill with zero mm-hmm. on death's door, but I was able to make this climb. Yeah. It's this really heroic moment and it makes it even more heroic when he goes back later and realizes like this was an important moment and this was like I was doing something great and special and beyond myself kind of a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, though, they have these <laughs> terrible like voiceovers of Madame Zeroni being like, you must carry me up the mountain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, so we didn't mention it, but I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story. He- yeah. Hector, or um, Zero's Zero. real name is Hector Zeroni. Yeah. Because he's a descendant of, Madame of Madame Zeroni. Madame Zeroni. Mm-hmm. Like, Stanley is a descendant of... Elia Yelnats. Elia Yelnats. Mm-hmm. So they're fulfilling this prophecy, not prophecy, but... Completing this bargain yeah. of carrying a Zeroni up, up the, the mountain, mountain to get strength. Mm-hmm. And to have them drink the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I will say, though, that even though that's cheesy, the first time I watched... I don't... I can't remember. I think I maybe read the book and then watched the movie. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until watching the movie again or for the first time, I was like, oh... 
Hector is a descendant. Oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was an idiot. I like, yeah, I don't I, think I, I got it, it the you, first you time. You wanted to ha- kind of impress that this is Stanley fulfilling, you know, his yeah. family's destiny. But it was a little much for me, especially with the <laughs> over-the-top gypsy Zeroni cackling laugh, you know? I'm like, yeah. okay, can and you like, stop And like leaning flashing? into the camera. Yeah, like it's all going on in the background while Stanley's carrying Zero up the mountain. Also, this is one of the cheesy song moments where yeah. they play a song that's like, don't give up, never give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's cut this out. Yeah. So they stay on the mountain in the mm-hmm. book for like two weeks almost. Yeah. And they just eat onions the whole time <laughs> <laughs> and drink water and they uh-huh. like get their strength back and are like, it, it's, it's a really, they get to stay there a little bit longer in the book. And I like it because Stanley's like genuinely happy. Yeah. He feels happy for the first time in a while. And they say how he didn't even feel happy before he went to camp green Lake. Like he always felt kind of down on himself. And then, and they talk about how, he likes himself now. Like, you know, yeah. he's stronger. He feels more confident. And he also feels like he's he's done something good. Like, he's gone to help Zero, and they've done this together. And so he just has this confidence in himself that he didn't have before. And Zero, too, they talk about both feeling really happy and, like, things are where they're supposed to be. And part of that is the curse that's been broken as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just... I don't know. And this is where Zero um, confesses about stealing the shoes. Yeah. And it's real cool because Stanley's like, I don't care. Yeah. He's like, I'm kind of glad that I'm here right now. Yeah. And however that happened, like, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And it's just this idea of destiny. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the biggest takeaway from this book and movie is that how everything is connected. Yeah. And everything, you know, causes events happening for other people and then they all end up connecting to each other there yeah there's so many layers of one thing leading to another for example um sam when he was fixing miss kate's schoolhouse Mm -hmm. she was paying him in spiced peaches these jars of peaches Mm -hmm. so that leads to them finding the peaches in the boat in the boat yeah uh and then the onions which feeds them yeah and then um, and he talks about, you know, how nutritious they are and how they can restore good for you, you and yeah. they have medicinal purposes, which explains why they helped Zero so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like so many tiny details in the book that like pay off later. Like they talk about how the warden wears these black cowboy boots studded with turquoise. And then you read later that Kissing Kate Barlow left behind this pair of black cowboy boots with turquoise studs on them. I do not remember. I don't even remember that. I just remembered. I'm like, why are they talking about her boots? And it's the exact same boots. So it's like she held on to them or they've been like passed down. So it's like every tiny detail matters and fits Mm -hmm. in together. It's, It's done so well. It makes me think of, you know, people praise the screenplay for Back to the Future as being one yeah, of the best screenplays ever written. Because yeah. there's so many payoffs, there's so many things that are foreshadowed that, you know, build up later and interactions between characters. And this story is kind of on a similar level. Yeah. With all these narratives and storylines and how everything... Interconnected backstories. It, honestly, it almost gets to be a little too much. Mm-hmm. Almost. I don't think it does. Yeah. But there are... P- points where I'm like, does this really have to be a connection? Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think ultimately it all works. Yeah. 
it's almost just close though because of how much there is. Yeah, that it all fits together. Mm-hmm. It's cool. But this is when they decide to go back to the camp and Stanley is kind of like, let's go back to that hole where I found the lipstick. I think I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they bag up some onions, get some water, and mm-hmm. they head back to Camp Green Lake. Yeah. And, and their goal is to just find whatever's in the hole if there's nothing, and then they're just going to leave. They're just going to run away. Yeah, they're just going to run away again. Yeah. And you find out via like flashback and stuff that Kate Barlow comes back to the dried up lake of Camp Green Lake like 20 years after she becomes an outlaw and kills a sheriff and buries her treasure there. And she runs into Trout Walker, <laughs> dead fish Trout Walker, <laughs> and dead feet. his dead wife, fish. and they're both really desperate and gross looking. And they're like, all the money, all Trout's money dried up with the lake, and now we want your treasure. We know you've buried it here. And Kate's just like, I don't really give a crap at all anymore. Yeah, and in the movie... In the book, she kind of gets attacked by a yellow-spotted lizard and yeah. gets bitten and dies mm-hmm. before Trout can find out where the treasure is. Yeah. And it's interesting because they don't touch on this in the in the movie, but in the book, the cabin that the warden stays in yeah. was actually where Kiss and Kate lived. Yeah. Um, it, While may, she was maybe not the treasure. building itself, but yeah. it was by the two oak trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the movie she's hanging around the boat that she finds that was Sam's boat. Yeah. And she kind of willingly... Makes um, a lizard bite her. Yeah, and dies there. Kind of chooses her death. So really, they might have found two skeletons by the boat. (laughs) If if they had still been (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, but maybe their skeletons were close to each other. Oh, maybe they were. Oh. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, But she kind of like, as she's, before she dies, she kind of tells him like, you and your descendants are going to be digging forever and you're never going to find the treasure. And so to me, this is like the second curse of the book. Well, honestly, yeah, it is. Almost a third though because Yeah, third curse. The, the town the green light gets cursed is when cursed Sam dies. By Sam, yeah. Where it becomes the drought. And mm-hmm. then Kiss and Kate almost curses Trout's family. Yeah, to be obsessed with finding her treasure and digging holes. And so you, obviously that's what the warden is doing. The warden is the granddaughter of Trout Walker and his wife. And, you know, her whole life, her grandparents and her parents, you know, made them dig holes in this effort to find this treasure. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of an interesting way because you kind of feel a little bit sorry for the warden. You do. Like her whole life. She mentions that even on Christmas, they had to dig a hole every day. And so... Really, she just got savvy about it. She's like, I'll just get delinquents (laughs) and make them dig holes. (laughs) And I'll make money off that while they dig. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really cool. Because, yeah, that is... That's true. That is the third curse. So, and then Kate dies and they're still looking for the treasure. Mm -hmm. But... Stanley's like, I know which hole to dig now. (laughs) Yeah, just the magical realism of this story is interesting. With like curses, Mm -hmm. I I like it a lot. It's a good level of that, I think. Yeah. So Stanley and Zero get back to Camp Green Lake. Mm -hmm. They go, it's at night. Yeah. And they find the hole where Stanley found the lipstick and they start digging again. Mm -hmm. And they manage to find a buried treasure chest or a suitcase in the book yeah and right when they think they've won uh the warden shows up with mr sir Mm -hmm. and 
they and they're all like, "We got you, <laughs> we got you." <laughs> but that's when the sh- the flashlights shined on them, and they find out there is just a shit ton of yellow spotted lizard. lizards. In my mind, this is like Kate's last revenge on the treasure. That oh. like there's these yellow spotted lizards that like guard it, you know, so that no one can take it. <sighs> See, I I almost saw it the other way of kind of this like this almost like not curse element, but yeah. it's almost like protecting them. Yeah. Because, oh, because they protected the warden from. Yeah, because yeah. it's keeping. They were like screwed. Yeah. But they're these yellow spotted lizards, so no one can touch stanley or zero yeah and they they were gonna like just rip the treasure out of their hands but then they're like oh but we're not gonna screw with these lizards at all Mm -hmm. and they're like we'll just wait till one of them bites you and you freaking die yeah well i'll watch a child die i don't care (laughs) i love it (laughs) but they keep waiting and waiting and the lizards don't do anything and it's this kind of cool part in the book where they talk about how stanley is so scared because any moment these lizards that are like literally crawling all over their bodies could bite them and he kind of he like takes himself somewhere else and imagines this oh, one yeah. day with his mom where they were like playing in the snow together and it's like this really sweet memory it and he's is. like oh just take me back like cuz he's like here. I might die any moment I'd rather die like there with my mom with my yeah. mom I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> so they're just waiting around and they wait until morning and like nothing's happening yeah and eventually this um Stanley's lawyer Stanley's lawyer shows up Mm -hmm. and we knew she was there in the movie before because there's kind of a a a scene of it in the book she she shows up and she's like where's Stanley I'm coming to get him because they find out Stanley's innocent yeah they explain it later but she's she I guess kind of just walks up to this hole where everyone is and sees what's going on Mm -hmm. and I really like in the movie uh when the warden is lying about why he's there. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, he tried to steal my stuff. That's my trunk. Suitcase, yeah. And he's like, that's not true at all. And he, like, just jumps out of the jumps hole, like, the with hole. the lizards. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't even care. Yeah. He kind of, like, has figured out that you're just not going to bite him no matter what. So he just leaps out. Mm-hmm. And this is another, like, connection thing, because you find out that all the onions that they've been eating mm-hmm. for, like, days in the movie and weeks in the book has kind of protected them from the lizards. Yeah, it kind of like is in their skin or something. And yeah. the smell that is like emitting from them, like the lizards don't like it. Yeah. So they won't bite them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of given this them this like shield of protection from the lizards. It's Sam's protection. <laughs> it is Sam's protection. <laughs> He's watching out for them Aww. from beyond the grave. So this kind of leads to this great moment where as this whole situation's going on, Zero's just kind of staring at this trunk. Yeah. And he's trying to say, like, he's trying... At first he says Satan. In the book, he's like, Satan. And Stanley just kind of ignores him. He's like, what? He's like, not even sure if he heard him. And then he's like, Stanley, like, pronouncing something. Yeah. And that's where he asks, like, is your name your first name... Is your last name your first name backwards? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. So when they're being taken away by the lawyer and the, the warden warden's is, trying to grab the trunk. Yeah. Zira's like, no, it's got Stanley's name on it. And she's like, what? <laughs> and they look and it ha- it says Stanley Yelnats because it was his great grandfather's trunk that Kiss yeah. and Kate had taken. Stolen and stolen all his stuff and she put all her money in it. 
there's so many great connections. Like this moment is so great. It's such a payoff. It is. And mm-hmm. the warden is just horrified. Dumbfounded. She's mm-hmm. she like can't even lie about it. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, how could this Cause, happen? Because the lawyer's like, I thought you said this was your trunk. And she's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, so like the lawyer's like, okay, Stanley, let's go. And then he's like, I'm not leaving zero. And then they find out that there are no files for Zero because when Zero first ran away, the warden was like, destroy his files so no one knows that he was here and that he died. And then, so when the lawyer's like, okay, let me see Zero's file, they can't find anything. And so she's like, you have no reason to hold him here. And so she takes Zero and Stanley with her and they go back. Yeah. But there's a great moment first where... Uh, while all this shit's going down, yeah. um, the kids kind of get reunited with Stanley and Zero. Uh-huh. And it's really great. They're all happy to see they're alive. Yeah. And there's a good moment. The characters switch in the book, it's Squid, and the movie, yeah. it's Armpit. He gives him a phone number, mm-hmm. gives Stanley a phone number, and he's like, call my mom and just tell her Theodore says sorry. Yeah. It's a really sweet moment. Mm-hmm. It's really odd, though, because in the book... This same moment kind of happens. Yeah. But X-Ray... Like hangs back and won't talk to Yeah, Stanley which was weird goodbye. to me. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just how he was like in charge and maybe he was like ashamed of like what he had done and didn't really want to talk to Stanley. It was It's just interesting. Um, they didn't really resolve that with him. I guess because although he was kind of an obstacle for Stanley in yeah. a lot of ways. I, I never would have thought of him. I never thought of him as like a villain or anything. No, no. And the movie does play him off maybe a little differently, being a little more of a, of a Friendly, friend. But yeah. he, in the movie, he's there, which yeah. I appreciate. And he's, they're all like reunited. Yeah. They do this like fun dancing scene. And then it starts <laughs> to rain. And so you're like, the curse has been broken. You yeah. Know, the curse of the rain has been broken. The curse of the... Digging the holes has been broken. The curse of Stanley's family is broken. So it's a really nice moment. It's a super like joyous moment. And yeah. it could easily have been like too much mm-hmm. in a way. You know, too many happy moments and like the wardens being investigated and yeah. Mr. Sir gets... Gets arrested for yeah. violating his parole. They like recognize yeah. he's someone else or something. Yeah. Um, But I, I just think the movie... In the book, were just so good. They earned it. They mm-hmm. really earned it at the end. Yeah. And then Stanley and Zero kind of get to head out together. Yeah. Which is cool. And they open the treasure chest slash suitcase and find some jewels. And they also find these old bank notes and things that are worth a lot of money. And so they end up splitting the money between Zero and Stanley. And Stanley buys his family a new house. Meanwhile, Stanley's father has finally found, has finally made an invention. He makes a cure for... Foot odor. Foot odor. Using <laughs> onions and, and... Yeah, peaches onions and, and peaches. Um, <laughs> it's funny to me because, you know, at the end, they're living this big house. And yeah. it's funny that they both got this invention yeah. and then also just found a ton of money. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, like... They got both, sure. Yeah. And zero uses his money to hire some private investigators to find his mom. And there's a sweet scene in the movie where they're both reunited with each other and it's, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's really great. I just love that whole zero being separated from his mom. Yeah. Storyline. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it makes so much sense. Like if you were both homeless, yeah. How would you find, would each, you other? find each other? Yeah. It'd be mm-hmm. almost impossible. So, yeah. So seeing them reunited was like wonderful. Mm-hmm. There's this weird theme in the book of like smelly feet. 
Yeah. And just smelliness in general. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Sweet Feet, the baseball player, has, like, really stinky, like, a fungal foot odor. Yeah. And Trout Walker has the same fungal odor, odor that they, like, specifically mm-hmm. mention. And armpit smells <laughs> and armpit a lot. Smells and plus, and like, when they eat the onions, they smell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's just, like, a fun kid thing thrown in. Because Lewis Thatcher, like, writes a lot of kids' books mm-hmm. and I think has that, like, kid humor down. So I don't know if that's what that is. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> So yeah, so that's about yeah. That's it ends. It. it ends, and they're all like partying, and it's just like woo. Yeah, it's nice in the movie. Um, the the party scene, all the kids are there from the camp. Yeah, which once again is a little cheesy, but I think they earned it. Mm-hmm. In the book, though, it's just it's just zero and Stanley. Yeah, and I'm like, where are the other kids? Where are the kids from the camp? I want X-ray and armpit <laughs> and zigzag, but you know, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, it, it wraps up really nicely. So, which one is better? I think. Oh my god, this is tough because I just lo- so I just similar. realized I haven't thought about this at all. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> it's tough because they're so similar, and they there are things that the movie does that work and that I like about it. The book is so good, and there's so many connections and rich storytelling. Uh is so it, is it shitty if I say I can't? decide like it's a toss-up i think i'm gonna say that i slightly like the movie a little better oh really? yeah yeah because i i just love the movie and i remember watching it as a kid and just loving it and i just i love seeing the characters brought to life they're mm-hmm. so much more compelling uh to hear and see them and i i just love it yeah like like I've said a hundred times now, the kids, the kid actors in it are just so good. Yeah. And they, I mean, that'll make or break a movie. Mm-hmm. You have an annoying kid or like kids that you don't believe. And especially with a the kind actor. of, the kind of characters they were trying to capture are very, I think, challenging to get right. Yeah. Where they're kind of aggressive mm-hmm. and, but they still like deep down are likable and nice. And I mean. They're just crappy in like a kid way. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think they really hit every mark. And just all the casting is so good. It is. Oh, man. I, um... But I feel like if I talked, I could, like, convince myself either way if I, like, talked true. about it too much. Right now, I'm just going to hesitantly say the movie. I will also hesitantly say the movie, I think. Yeah. Um. But honestly, it's worth, like, rereading the book if you read it as an elementary schooler. Or if you've never read it giving it a chance because the book is really good yeah. and of course the movie is so enjoyable it's like the book has some if you're familiar with the movie the book has it's an enjoyable read and it's yeah. got some additional elements mm-hmm. that there's no like big storylines or anything that are cut. No, no it's almost all verbatim but there's just some additional things that kind of make it worth it to read y- yeah, yeah one of them for example is that zero talks about his mother used to sing a rhyme to him like the one that stanley sings and you get yeah. that at the very end of the story, and it's like a second verse yeah. to the original rhyme. Mm-hmm. And and it's the song that Elia Yelnats was supposed to sing to the pig, and it's yeah. like been passed down through the family. And then it's almost like Zeroni's family has passed down the the second verse to the song. It's mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. So there's things like that that are worth going back to the book for. Yeah. So are we agreeing then? The movie is <laughs> yes. Hesitantly, I think. The best. Yes, a reserved movie vote on both (laughs) sides. I can get behind that. Okay. Are you ready for the lightning round? 
I am ready for the lightning round. So first topic for the lightning round. Apparently when this movie was first in development, the first person to write the screenplay for this was Richard Kelly, who was involved in writing the Donnie Darko screenplay. What? (laughs) Yeah, and they're like, yeah, write the screenplay for Holes. So apparently he made Stanley blonde and blue-eyed, and his last name was Kramer instead of Yelnat. What? (laughs) And even better, the the whole setting is set into a future (laughs) post-apocalyptic storyline. Oh my God. Where the outside world was not much better than Camp Green Lake, and the inmates are digging holes to find weapons for the military. Holy. (laughs) The whole Kissing Kate story is gone. It's just these boys digging holes for the military in a post-apocalyptic world. And then they're like, "Mm, this is kind of too dark for a kid's (laughs) story, so why don't we have the author write the screenplay instead? (laughs) Can you believe that? That's though? unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I want to read that. That would have been horrible. Honestly, they could just rework it enough that it doesn't have a connection to holes. And just yeah. make that movie. Like yeah. it sounds like it's different enough yeah. with fucking Stanley Kramer. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, okay. <laughs> my favorite funny line in the entire movie is when the warden is thinking back to when she had to dig holes as a kid. Oh, yeah. They do a flashback to her as a little girl out there with, like, another man. Mm-hmm. And she... It's her grandpa. And, yeah, she's like, she's like, I'm tired of digging holes, grandpa. And when the dude turns around, he's just like, what's well, too damn bad? And he's, like, the <laughs> oldest, craggliest looking Crustiest. man. He just screams at his d- granddaughter immediately. It's one of the funniest lines. It cracks me up every time. I don't even know if it's supposed to be funny, but... It's so good. There's this other great part where Mr. Sir sees like this yellow spotted lizard in the movie and like shoots at it and then he's like slinking around the camp like with his <laughs> gun he's just like shooting everywhere it's so, it's so great this is another awesome moment from uh, John Voight who Yo. just like is doing such a great job with that character <laughs> um, there's a great so the count the uh, warden's like kind of catchphrase is oh, she's yeah. always going excuse me in the movie yeah in the movie I think in the book too she says excuse me a lot Mm -hmm. and she's constantly like using that to just throw people off yeah and in the um movie when stanley's loading up the suitcase and leaving she's like please just like open it let me see what's inside i have to know yeah he's just like excuse me as he (laughs) closes the trunk like a cold son of a bitch like like, excuse me it's one of the best burns like in any movie i've seen in a while it's great there's this other part where the it's Stanley about to dig his first hole and they're going to this tool shed and the sign above the tool shed says the library and they open it up <laughs> and it's just shovels inside and I'm like so offended. <laughs> like how dare you? <laughs> um, my final lightning round thing is I'm not so sure that Elia Yelnats got cursed because he didn't carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. Because in the movie when it shows him taking the pig up the mountain yeah. as it's getting bigger. By the time it's like a full-grown pig, he's just pulling it on a rope. Which he's supposed to carry Like, it. you're supposed to carry it. That's part of the deal. <laughs> like, this is bullshit. He's kind of, like, looking behind him a little bit. I think he was being shady about it. Yeah, like, he's like, oh, I don't want to carry it today. It's actually too fat, so I'm just going to pull it up the mountain. But That's why he was cursed. Yeah. He, she clearly said, carry the pig up the mountain, Elia. <laughs> 
So that just about finishes the episode. Yes. Thanks for listening. This was so fun, and I really enjoyed reading this book again and watching the movie. Hopefully, you guys will give it uh, another chance. I guess not really another chance. We'll go back go. to it. Go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's such a good movie, and there's. I don't know, such a good sense of nostalgia for us mm-hmm. to uh, rewatch it and to read it again. So, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook. Yes. Follow us on Twitter mm-hmm. at Cover2Credits. That's the number two. And email us at Cover2CreditsPod at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts on holes, other books you'd like us to review in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, just Or just say hi. Like, yeah. we love getting mail. So mm-hmm. anything you want to shoot our way is fantastic. And also, please leave us an iTunes review. If you like what you've been listening to. Yes, if you like it. If you don't, don't, you know, you don't have to. (laughs) But um, it's just, you know, it really, it's like the one thing you can do to help us the most to improve our iTunes um, overall listing or rating Mm -hmm. is just to give us a, even even if it's just a star rating, it all helps. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Bob Kiernan and Actual Size for providing our sound equipment. And we'll see you next episode. All right. Bye. Bye.